Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Welcome to another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. Our offices at Keystone Elder Law may be in Mechanicsburg, but we serve clients all over central Pennsylvania with a mission of shielding the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. Although at Keystone Elder Law, we use estate planning tools, powers of attorney, wills, asset protection trusts to shield people from predictable threats, I am joined today by a guest who is part of a different organization that shields Pennsylvanians every day using a different set of tools because there's a different set of threats. Whereas I, as the elder law attorney, see likely threats in the form of incapacity, long-term care, middle-class tax mistakes, family dynamics, there are people in law enforcement who track the work of criminals who are very creative in the ways they go about scamming Pennsylvanians. Of course, scammers can target people of all ages, and they do, but older adults are seen by criminals as especially good targets. Older adults tend to have more in savings. They tend to be more likely to be alone and maybe lonely and willing to speak to someone who calls. Older adults may not be as familiar with computer technology. The reasons go on and on. But when it comes to fighting the scammers, the most powerful weapon is knowledge. And that's what this show is all about. So get ready to learn an awful lot about how criminals are operating to separate you from your money. My guest today is Dave Shalcross, the Director of Senior Protection at the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. Dave, welcome and thank you for being here to share your considerable experience with what's going on out there with scammers. Thank you very much, Patrick. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to come out and speak to your audience and let them know some of those warning signs that they need to be aware of to prevent these type of frauds and scams. And let's talk about why people fall for scams, because I think when you get into some of the the thinking behind it, then people, when we when we go through some of the more common scams that you're used to seeing, people will start to spot, oh, that's the emotion that's being preyed on or that's the that's what's being manipulated. But just what are some of the the, the common themes when it comes to the reasons or the thinking uh, behind falling for a scam? Well, the first thing I like to share with everyone is never feel that it's something to do with your own intelligence. I often hear from victims who say, oh, I couldn't believe. How was I so dumb to fall for that? And I immediately stop them because, you know, Patrick, it's not about intelligence at all. The key word, you already mentioned it, emotions. Scammers are going to exploit your emotions. And they're going to look for some trigger, something that's going to cause you to react in the direction which they want to take you, which is to then eventually separate you from your funds and your information. So they'll play on those emotions. We're talking about like sweepstakes. The emotion is joy. You've won something. You're excited. You're happy. So are you really listening to what you're being told? Or have you thought about, did I enter the contest? You know, you have to be in it to win it, right? But in that moment, you might not even think about that. And that's when you're subject to fall for that scam. Yeah. Other scams use fear. They use love. They'll pick any emotion and there's going to be a scam created to trigger those feelings and get you off your game, not thinking clearly, and to then provide what the scammer is looking for. So I think that's one of our biggest 
triggers right there is the emotional. The other is opportunity. You know, the triangle of crime talks about desire. Well, if the person wants to commit the crime, there's not a lot we can do about that. The ability to commit the crime, they're able to go online or dial the phone. We can't do much about that either. But the third leg is opportunity, and that's where we come in, law enforcement and the public. When you reduce that opportunity to protect yourself, you take away the opportunity for the crime to even occur. So don't fall for these things. Pay attention. Take your time. Slow it down and ask questions. Don't let that emotional trigger overwhelm you and become engulfed in the storyline. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, and when your information's out, don't be giving out your name, address, personal information, date of birth, social security number, driver's license number, insurance policies, account numbers. When that information's being asked for, that's a red flag to stop and think. Yeah, I, I love that you're emphasizing slowing it down. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, it, it's not a matter of intelligent because smart people get ripped off, too. But I, I'm willing to bet that's a reason why this is all underreported, because then the the emotion becomes embarrassment that I can't believe I got ripped off and I don't want anyone to think I'm dumb. So I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Exactly right. You know, and, and it's a shame because when it goes unreported, the crime continues and less people are aware of it to avoid it. So I really encourage your listeners and, and everyone that we speak with, please at least let us know. You know, if you're if you're embarrassed to tell your family and your friends, I get that. But call us. We're not sharing this with your family and friends. We need to know at the office of the attorney general so we can stop these things. And I like that you were saying slow it down because I would imagine creating a sense of urgency is going to, in some way or another, and maybe people will spot that as we go through some of the common scams, but create a sense of urgency because you're going to gloss over an awful lot. You're not going to slow down and think about it. And and back to the intelligence piece, too, I was doing some some preparation for my conversation with you, and I came across something called optimism bias, where people might hear some of the scams that you're talking about, and they say to themselves, oh, I would never fall for that. Well, <laughs> be careful, because there, there is such a thing, uh, I guess we're all susceptible to it, where if we underestimate the, the risk or the likelihood we would fall for it, we're not looking for warning signs. You know, let me tell you this quick story. I, I had a phone call one day. I was up in Tioga County doing a training, and my text went off, and I look at my phone during the break, and it's my brother, who's also a retired officer, and he he says to me, give me a call. There's nothing really wrong, but I want to talk to you about dad. Well, you know, that puts me in a panic. Oh, sure. You know, my dad's uh, 79, and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, man, what's going on with dad? So I call my brother. I go, hey, what's happening? And he tells me, he says, you're not going to believe this. I just walked in the door. And dad's on the phone sitting at his desk at the computer, and he's giving out information about his bank account. I said, he's doing what? He goes, yeah. I said to him, I said, who are you talking to? And my father says to my brother, oh, uh, it's the computer folks. They, they discovered there's a scam in my computer. There's a virus, and, and they don't want me to lose my money. My brother goes, hang up the phone. You know, and he gets him off the phone and <laughs> says to my dad, you know, not to embarrass my father in any way, but this is just how real this is. He says to my dad, what were you thinking? You've been to David's seminars how many times, right? My dad would, would come in the audience. If I'm local near the house, you know, he'd come and sit at the senior center and listen to the spiel, right? But he said to my brother, he goes, you know, you're right. I didn't stop to think. And it sounded so real. And I happened to have been e reading my emails when the phone rang. 
So I was engaged to the computer. It all kind of fit together at that time. And I never thought about it being the scam that we've heard about, the tech repair scam. Someone's contacting you out of the blue. There's a problem. That's not going to happen. But my dad almost gave out all the information that they were asking for. And here's someone who knows better. Here's someone who's been to my seminars. But if the timing was perfect and he didn't stop to think. Yeah. A, and very similar story, a uh, longtime family friends of, of my, my family, my parents, um, very intelligent people. And it was either the phone call or the other tech support scam where you get that pop up and it's it's flashing. You have malware on your computer. You have something on your computer. And actually, that part might be true because they that you opened something or clicked on something. And now they're able to get in. Or if you if it says call the number. So as soon as you're talking to these people and they want remote access to your computer to fix the problem, well, now they've taken over your computer. If you have financial records, if you have anything personally identififying, they now have it. And and th- when this happened to my family friends, they were literally saying because they could see through the camera in the computer, I see the man wearing the baseball cap. I see the woman standing behind him looking over his shoulder and they were aghast. They didn't know what to do. They, I don't know why they called me first. I'm the elder law attorney, I guess. So, you know, I told them, unplug the computer. First of all, that cuts off the access. But after that, call the credit reporting agencies, freeze all of your credit. Don't let them open any new credit cards. Uh, you know, you might want to call your bank. I had a, a friend who was a former guest on this show uh, who has a, a, a group called Senior Tech Tutor. He came in, he wiped all the malware off. But it's just crazy. Smart people do get victimized. All the time. I mean, I could go through a list of people that I've assisted and had complaints from, from a two-star retired general down to, you know, hospital workers, doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects, teachers, professors, everyone. Right. It's everyone's subject to it. So it's a matter of identifying those red flags to avoid it, you know. And again, that flashing screen makes it very believable. You know, so if you do open up something in your email or by text and and you get a reaction like that, the scammers know how to trigger those things to occur when you open that file. And that's exactly what they want to do, panic you. That sense of urgency you mentioned, you know, it has to be corrected now because you don't know what's going to happen, right? If your computer is like flipping out and the screen's flashing and it's making noise and it's telling you warning, you're going to do what it says because you don't want a problem. Right. And, and you know, getting back to the emotions, too, I think that this is uh, we all have a sense of trust of our common human being. And and if it's someone in an authority figure, we know computers or if it's someone pretending to be the government, we'll talk about impersonation scams, uh, pretending to be the police. Uh, you know, you, there's a tendency to trust and that gets manipulated. But my guest today is Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office. We're talking about scams, crimes against the elderly And we're going to go more into that when we come back from a break. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley. I'm your host, and my guest today is Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. And we're talking about common scams, the thinking behind the scams, and most importantly, being aware of what's going on so that you can protect yourself, your family, your friends from 
a what is really a multi-billion dollar industry. Dave, before the break, uh, we were talking about some of that, the, the, you know, the ways that people just don't slow down. They, they're sucked into a sense of urgency. For whatever reason, smart people are, are not immune. This is just uh, more of an emotionally based crime. But how do the scammers go about identifying their victims? You know, a lot of times it's provided by the victim. Uh, we go out to different fairs and events, and we offer our name to win a basket or a raffle item. We put out our name, our address, our phone number. We go to the grocery store, and we get the club card. Well, you just filled out your personal information, and of course, now you have the scannable card. Every time you go shopping, you scan it, your groceries go down the belt, you're going to get a discount or a coupon. Well, the store can sell that data. It's called data mining. So your name, your address, your email, your phone number, all that that you filled out on that customer service card is now for sale by the grocer or any business. You know, I'm not picking on the grocery stores, right? But that's a common thing that most people will relate to. They have that bonus club card. You're offering your information. Another way is just total random. They use computerized dialers, what we call robocallers, that are just dialing numbers until someone picks up the line and answers the phone. And now you're on the line, you're the victim. So it's a mix. You know, it's, it's partially our own social media. People share way too much information on social yes, media. They do. And that's a targeted area for data mining. They'll start pulling pieces of information. You ever see these little quizzes, Patrick, they put out? What's your favorite color, your favorite vacation place, your dog's name, what kind of, you know, what year did you graduate high school, what's your hometown? Well, think about if you answer two or three of these quizzes in the year, you might have provided enough information for a hacker to figure out your password or a little bit about you and your identity. So we have to be careful what we're sharing and where we share it as well as the random attacks just by computerized dialing and emails that just go out in mass. You know, with this phishing email they call it with a PH. It's just they send it out there. If you click on the, the, the subject matter and open the email and they get you to hit that link, now they can get into your computer system and, and get your information. Yeah, and anybody who's still in the workplace has probably been forced into some sort of training or somehow been made aware. But you see that email. I mean, my own... Uh, team members at Keystone Elder Law have said, did you just send me an email? And I go to their desk and I look at it. And it, at first, it was pretty crude. It would just be like my name and, and then uh, a random Gmail or something. And I said, well, obviously, that's not my email address. But now they're spoofing it to the point where it looks like it's coming from me. And so, you know, there, it, it scares you enough to have to uh, implement all kinds of new security in your IT. But, you know, those of those listeners who are at home and checking their email, that's the first thing. Look at the email address. Does it look like, you know, the, you know, maybe it might have a different name or just a bunch of letters? You know, that, that might be the first giveaway, but it's not always going to be obvious. No, sometimes it's a simple decimal point or, or one extra character someplace that's easily overlooked. One of the tricks that you can do from home is to take your mouse and, and put the cursor over top that incoming email address and let it hover there just for a moment. Some programs, when the scammers are masking their actual messaging email, it will come forward when you let the cursor hover over it. And then you'll see that the actual email message was sent by another address. And that's a great giveaway. But that's not going to work every time. Right. But it is an additional layer that you can do, a, a performance that you can do at home easily to try to detect these messages. And the best and simple thing is I always say, 
you want to uh, verify before you comply. So that person at your office at Elder Keystone Elder Law said to you, Patrick, did you send me the message? Best thing you can do. Simply call and contact that sender. If it looks a little wacky, something's not quite right, call and ask. And they'll use these subject matters to, to bait you in. Great video. you got to see this. Or photos of the kids. Uh, you know, it's just some type of very generic but exciting topic. And people click to see the video. And now you've downloaded all the malware and spyware. Right. And they're in. Yep. And, and you know, the, the common theme here is protect your information because we are in the information age, they say. We're in the computer age. And com- the, the, the criminals don't have to pick your pocket. They can get a whole lot more by picking your information. So there's the information that you give away. That's what you were just describing, Dave. And uh, and now it's out there for manipulation or to be resold if you gave it to a legitimate source. And then that you've lost control of it. Um, but there's also information that you... Uh, well, let's talk. Let's go with another one you give away. What about you? you put a check in the mailbox and you put the flag up? Is that a source of, of uh, compromised information that can be used against people? Well, Patrick, we actually have a name for that. It's called cherry picking. So the bad guys go through the neighborhood and they see that cherry red, bright red flag up on the mailbox. And that indicates there's valuable mail. Outgoing mail is very valuable because you got to think about what are you sending out from your home? Usually it's your bills, right? Right. So there's your visa slip with your account number, the amount you owe, your balance, what's available to you on that card. And then you enclose your payment format. And in this case, we're talking about a check. So now you have a paper check, which has your account number, routing number, the name of your bank institution, your full name and address is usually in the top left corner, and a sample signature. So the forger can practice being Patrick Cawley all day long. And are people actually doing this? They're just going into mailboxes and taking out checks. Yes, the postal inspectors. I was just at a meeting with some postal inspectors. Uh, and they tell me that it's it's a bigger problem than ever, that not only are they going to residential mailboxes on the curb with the red flag up and stealing mail, uh, they can do it. And the neighbors don't even realize what's happening. They'll look like a delivery person. They'll pull up in a van. They get out and they have a cardboard box. The bottom's cut out where they put their arm in through the box. And it looks like they're trying to fit the box in the mailbox, but they're actually pulling your mail out through the box. And the neighbor looks out and says, oh, someone tried to make a delivery. It didn't fit in your mailbox. I guess they'll send it to you later. And, and so, and I've heard the stories of of what they do with, they can actually uh, change the face of a check. They can, you know, write it in different amounts and things like that. But what else are they doing or, or what can people uh, anticipate and then protect themselves against? Well, you know, exactly what you were just saying, that they will, what we call, wash out the check or bleach the check. Uh, and it's very simple. You know, I'm not going to give out the ingredients here. We don't want anyone to, to experiment and get themselves in trouble. <laughs> not that kind of educational program. Right. <laughs> but it's not difficult to obtain the chemicals that are needed to do this. So the criminals, it's very easy for them. Uh, and what they can do is they can block out certain parts of the check where it won't affect it, and then they can change the amount. So your $150 check can become a $1,500 or $15,000 check very easily. The payee can be changed. So now they'll use a false identity they've already uh, constructed and make the check payable to that fictitious information and run it through the bank or a check cashing location. So it happens quite easily. And and one of the things that I was told that really could help curve some of this is when you're writing a check to use a gel ink pen. So gel ink pens bond to the cotton fibers in the check 
and make it more difficult to be bleached out. So that's one tip. The other tip is simply put your mail in the interior post office mail slot. Do not put it in a blue neighborhood collection box because they are being broken into at record numbers. Mail carriers are being assaulted and their keys are being stolen, I was just told. So we really have a huge problem with mail theft. The safest way to mail anything is to go inside the interior of your local post office and put it in over the counter. That way you know it's secured in the post office. Same thing with mailing gift cards. The holidays are coming, Patrick, and a lot of people are going to be sending gift cards. Uh, matter of fact, my family, we just put together a package, and I'll tell you what we did. You know, when you send an, an envelope that's that beautiful, like, uh, greeting card envelope, and it's you know brightly colored, and you that put sparkles. The, yeah. yeah, and you're going to put the Christmas special stamp on it. You know, that's what my mom always did. You know, it had to be perfect. This, the holiday-themed return address sticker, you know, that identifies it immediately as a greeting card, and there's potentially a gift. And they can feel through the envelope if there's a gift card. The shape of a gift card is pretty uh, easily recognized by feel. So we take a couple of those. We have some family out of town. And we'll take their beautiful greeting card envelopes and put them together in one large manila, very plain-looking business envelope or one of those uh, express mailing packs you get from UPS or the Postal Service or someone. And that way it looks like a business document. We put two slides of cardboard on each side, uh, just like the backing from a legal pad or a tablet, just a piece of cardboard. And that helps block the feel. And those multiple greeting cards are beautifully decorated inside that plain business-looking envelope. And that's how we mail our gifts and packages to our family and friends. So much for the spirit of Christmas, but I guess, you know, you heard it here. The Grinch is real and yeah. we'll swoop oh, yeah. in and and we'll steal your gifts down in Whoville. So this is great information uh, just to be uh, better aware. Knowledge is the weapon against scammers. And we'll have more with Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General after a break. You are listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. I am having a fascinating conversation today with Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General about scams the way that people get taken by scams, the way you're separated from information, most importantly, and sometimes directly your money. Uh, Dave, before the the break, you were talking about ways that that information is sometimes just stolen right out of the mailbox. Uh, sometimes it's information we just freely give away on social media in other ways, and then it's it's just out there and can be pieced together. Uh, to to really uh, guess passwords or other or get into directly uh, other important aspects of our our lives. There's some other ways too where where people just throw out information and then it's sensitive and it's and they don't really think about how they're throwing away sensitive information. Talk to talk a little bit about that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny. I had a uh, well, it's not really funny, but un- it was unfortunate that a woman came up to me at one of our seminars and said, you know, I hear all this about getting a shredder and I, I, I don't need a shredder. I said, well, you, you really, you should, because a lot of information is in our mail, documents that we receive, even on sales flyers and ads. There's your full address, your name, every little bit. And then if there's anything more sensitive, you definitely need to shred it with a cross-cut shredder 
that's going to make it very small and difficult for scammers to, to get any readable uh, information out of it. But she said to me, I just throw it in the kitchen trash and dump some old spaghetti sauce or gravy that's <laughs> left over. They're not going to read it. And, you know, that sounds great, Patrick, but unfortunately, they still can read it, right? So you really need to shred documents uh, of importance, and you want to do that. And, and sometimes we're just not thinking. Uh, for example, I'll tell you, a, a great place where scammers can obtain a lot of information is your local pharmacy. And, and people say, why? What are you talking about? Well, when you pick up your prescription, you get a bag. And on the bag printed on the exterior of a lot of these packages is some of that data about your doctor, your prescription, and your information, your name, your address. Inside is the instruction sheet, again, that shows a lot of that personal information. Maybe your insurance policy account information is also included. People come out of the pharmacy, pull the medicine bottle from the bag, take the contents and the bag itself, and leave it in the trash receptacle outside the pharmacy. Well, if I'm a scammer, that's the bag I'm going to go pick up in the middle of the night. I'm going to go hit that trash can. And then I'm going to call you and pretend to be the pharmacy. Oh, hi, uh, Mrs. Cawley. Uh, I'm calling because we had a little problem at the pharmacy. Our computers crashed. We had a power surge. We're back up, but not all of your information was recovered. And we will not be able to dispense any medications. And I know you need your medicine without this information. And next thing you know, Mrs. Cawley is giving out the information they're asking for. Yeah, spot the emotional manipulation there. That's urgency. I, I, yeah. I of course, it's fear. I, I need my medications. And, of course, I'm going to give you whatever you need to get back online. And it's a sort of an appeal to authority as well. Like, why would my pharmacy lie to me? Exactly. It's a person of trust. Yeah, so yeah. so there's an example of, of not only uh, taking the information that has been made freely available, but also... Uh, it's an impersonator scam. So you see a number of impersonation uh, attempts by scammers, I assume. Constantly, you know, and they'll impersonation is the biggest form of scam right now. It's uh, it's through the records. It, it's on the phone. It's on email. It's in text messaging. It's in the mail. They'll pretend to be federal agencies. Social Security Administration is a big one. Uh, they will call you and tell you they need your Social Security number to verify some information. There's a problem. Uh, they will call and say they're the FBI. There was a criminal case that involved your Social Security information and date of birth. They may even tell you it's Medicare, and they need to verify your Medicare number. You know, those new cards came out a few years ago, and unfortunately, we just discovered there's six other people that were assigned the same number, Patrick. <laughs> now, could you verify the number that appears on your card for me, please? Because we're going to issue some new numbers. Yeah. And Do you think that's happening? And then they're going to take that number and they're going to defraud the government mainly. I mean, that's so there's all kinds of victimization going on and Medicare fraud, uh, especially in South Florida, for some reason, that's a real hot spot for it. But it happens all over the country. It's they they set up a uh, sometimes they don't even bother with a brick and mortar store, but they'll they'll sometimes set it up and they say they're they're selling walkers and wheelchairs. And really, they're just billing they're just billing, 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 and then they're on to the next place. They're out of there. But, um, you know, and when you turn or, or, or when you're about to turn 65, you do get uh, uh, some, you know, urgency. It's going to mostly come in the mail. They're not going to call you, but you do have to have some conversations about Medicare. That's going to be your health insurance. And then there's an annual enrollment period. But even my friends who are in the insurance industry are very clear. They're under all kinds of regulations they may not make the first call. 
you have to make the first call. And so I suspect that like Medicare, the FBI is not going to call you or the Social Security Administration is not just going to call you. Correct. You know, they don't normally use the, the phone as their first contact. It's usually a written letter on official letterhead. And, and that's a great way to look at things. If it doesn't look official, it's probably not, right? And and if you do get a letter and you're not quite sure, check it out. When in doubt, we check it out. Right. Contact the local office for the FBI. Contact Social Security, whoever it may be, Medicare, and just confirm, did you send me this letter? And what are my required actions against this? What do I need to do? They'll be glad to explain it to you, but you're right. They're not going to call you first. They're not going to ask or demand personal or financial information on these calls. That's just not what the government does. Right. And even, you know, we're in the the Harrisburg area. South Central Pennsylvania has a lot of uh, state government employees uh, and retirees. Uh, PSECU, the the State Employees Credit Union, had to eventually uh, put out all kinds of warnings because text messages were going out. Uh, they looked a little fishy to begin with. I, I received one, uh, but they had to put right all over their website that we that's not how we're going to contact you. So please don't respond to that text message and give them any personal information. Banks are the same way. Yeah, fraudulent text mes- messaging, you know, smishing, it's, it's all over the place. And it's the same concept as the email fraud. You know, they want you to click a link. You know, And for your listeners, in case they're not aware, links are usually in blue lettering and often underlined. And they're asking you to then click on that to access another portal. Well, what's going to happen if it's a scam and it's not a legitimate link? You're not going to access a portal. You're going to download viruses, malware, and spyware into your device, whether it's your smartphone, tablet, laptop, home computer. And that's where the trouble starts. You may not be aware that it's loaded. And it's going to sit and work in the background of that system. And it's going to just steal all your personal and important information that's in those files. Like you said earlier, addresses, insurance policy numbers, tax returns that you have on file, and all your friends and family contacts so they can now scam them. Right. So, right, again, and so the cycle continues. And, you know, I guess one other type of impersonation that I've heard about is the the call impersonating a family member. Hi, Grandma, you know, it's and and you know who this is and they the, you know they'll wait for you to guess the name but they're going to impersonate a family member they're going to say I'm I'm in some trouble please don't tell anyone but I can you send some money I mean is this something that is maybe not as as common I don't know as the other types but is this something that still happens Well the family in distress scam is in the top 3 Patrick so you hit it right on the head uh and and it is a troubling type of scam because right away that fear emotion is what's right. being triggered and the love of your grandchildren. We all love our grandchildren. If you have grandkids, I mean, you know that feeling. And you want to do anything to protect them. And that's how the scam works. They get you rattled. You're upset. You're thinking, oh, the worst things are happening to my grandkids. How do I fix this? Because I'm the granddad or I'm the grandmom. And that's what the scammer wants. And that's when they manipulate you to send money because there's always a need cash to fix this problem right Right. you know uh jimmy's been arrested uh he was with a friend who had some drugs on him and jimmy doesn't do that we know but he was with him in the car and he needs to be bailed out we need five thousand dollars or there was a terrible accident and your niece is now injured at the emergency room and she was texting and driving and the person she hit is pregnant and might lose the baby oh my gosh how worse could things get and if you don't pay this other person's medical bills because they had no insurance, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, your grandson, whoever it might be that they're playing up, 
is going to jail. So you need the money now. Urgency again. Right. And and how do you pay it, Patrick? For some reason, it's always a gift card. Right. Or a debit card. Something prepaid. Right. Prepaid. Where, where the money's yep. coming out. Or a wire transfer now is, is very popular as well. The Western Union and MoneyGram uh, formats of payment. And with automation on our phones, we can pay by Zelle. Right. We can pay by cash apps and these other programs. And now the newest form of payment that's being demanded is, of course, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and that type of thing. Of course, because it's untraceable, I assume. These are all difficult to trace and track, and that's why the scammer prefers those payment methods. A big tip really quick is if you're being directed into a specific format of payment, that's a huge indicator that you're probably being defrauded. Yeah, and let's talk about that when we come back from a break because that alone is, is uh, I think, fascinating to and, and worth hearing, and, and people it'll make more sense to people when we talk about why. So we're going to come back uh, and talk more with Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. We're talking about scams against the elderly and things to be aware of, even just to spot the emotions involved, the urgency, the fear, and, and better protect yourself and your family. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, your host, Patrick Colley. We are back with Dave Shalcross from the Pennsylvania Office of Attorney General. And if we haven't already spoiled your holiday feeling of oneness with your fellow human being, well, we have a little bit more time left in the show, so we'll see what we can do about that. But Dave, before the the break, uh, you were talking about um, when these scammers are asking for money to be provided. They want payment. They're, they, for some reason, are looking for a direct wire transfer of money, or they're looking for a prepaid gift card, prepaid debit card of some sort. Uh, you know, why are they not, not asking for a credit card? Because that's, you know, you go on Amazon or some other online vendor. That's usually how you're paying for, for things. Why are they not asking for that? Well, that's a great question. And and the answer is very simple because they don't want the credit card company to track them and try to take those payments away. Now, a lot of the scammers are not local. They're not even in the U.S., but not all. Some are here. And they don't want the risk of that credit card company using those massive resources to go after the scammer. So they avoid it by not asking for a credit card. They'll ask you for a prepaid debit card, one that you purchase in your pharmacy, your grocery store, the big box stores, or they might ask for uh, some of these prepaid gift cards, Amazon gift cards, iTunes gift cards, doesn't matter. They'll even direct you to what store to purchase the cards in some cases. And at the Office of Attorney General, and I'll tell you, it's a great thing that we we're able to have a meeting with some of these big retailers. Uh, for example, Walmart, Target, and Best Buy were three of the big retailers that we spoke with. And we've worked to educate them about these scams. And they now have new policies to help protect consumers from buying too many gift cards at one time, limiting the amount can be loaded per gift card, and train their employees to ask questions. Are you being directed by someone to purchase these cards? Is this for the purpose of a payment of some type? And this has been really very successful in reducing some of this, but not all. Sure. I, I suppose even when confronted with the the red flag, some people are still 
under the spell of the urgency or whatever other emotion. But uh, is there is there fraud in the point of sale sometimes? Because I know that, and maybe we can get to uh, the concept of that a lot of people have heard about where you put your your credit card in at the gas pump and it gets uh it's called a skimmer but is how when since we're talking about gift cards is the, is there any sort of fraud when when you're buying them where the number becomes available right at the point of sale Absolutely you know and that's something that most customers aren't aware of so the consumer needs to be very vigilant if you're going to purchase a gift card or a prepaid card off of a rack uh, at any retailer, the first thing to do is you want to inspect that card. Usually it's on a cardboard backer, and the actual plastic card is enclosed and glued in. And in the back, there's a open space where you can see where the coding would be and the authorization number on the back of those gift cards. If that has been tampered with in any way, you don't want to buy it. You want to take it to the counter and turn it over to the manager because scammers will have people locally that will go out and do tasks for the scammer. And one of those tasks is to obtain numbers off the rack on the back of these gift cards. And then a scammer simply goes to that site that hosts that particular gift card or prepaid card and just keeps checking that account number over and over again until they see money has been loaded on it, and then they can remove the money. Now, you have a blank card worth zero. That's a – well, yeah, so, so there are people locally, and and I would imagine sort of the the, the gas station uh, example is also a local operation. Somebody has to mechanically put a uh, a device of some sort in place, and and I I don't mean to to just limit it to the gas stations. I, I I'm sure credit card uh, numbers can be stolen in a lot of different ways, but um, same concept. People are are just waiting for for victims at a, a local place where they know people use cards. Yes, correct. And skimming is a big problem as well. You know, uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, uh, Bureau of Consumer Protection at the Office of Attorney General and the Pennsylvania Banking and Securities uh, Commission have worked together to put out educational materials about these skimmers. And one of the things to look out for, like you said, let's give the gas station example first, and then I like to move on to retail spots and ATMs. Uh, at the gas station, the first thing you want to do is look for a gas station that is well lit, if you're, especially after hours. And, and now this time of year, it gets dark early, Patrick. So you could find yourself at a gas station uh, with low lighting very early in the day. So well lit is a great thing. Cameras under the canopy is another great thing. Look for the security cameras and pick the island with the pumps that are closest to the cashier's window. They're less likely to be modified with a skimming device. Now, to modify it, they simply come up there. They'll take a large van to block the view of people. One guy gets out like he's fueling the vehicle. The other guy goes around the other side. And in no time, they can change out that card slot with an overlay that snaps right on top, which has the skimming device, which is basically a magnetic card reader. It reads the mag stripe on the back of your credit card for that static information. Sometimes they will have the keys. Service keys can be purchased online and on the dark web at open the panel of the gas pump. And then they put in what we call a pigtail skimmer, which you would not see or detect with your own eye. And look for those security seals that are protecting the gas service panel from being opened. The last tip on gas stations is check your phone for a Bluetooth signal coming from the pump. That would indicate there's possibly a skimmer 
that is Bluetooth enabled that would be installed to steal your information. No kidding. That's a lot of information right there. And and those, that's good ways to protect yourself, too. I, I uh, spoke over the summer with one of your colleagues at the attorney general's office who, at least on the one type, said that you could sort of tug at the exact point where you put your card in. And if it's anything's loose, that could be one of those exterior skimmers. But that's not going to help you with one of the ones where they go with the, the pigtail, I guess, type. Correct. It's not going to help you on the inside. Um, and then back to the, the gift cards, that was great that you look for that one little area where, where the number might be exposed and has the cardboard backing been altered. But you can get around that, too, just by going straight online and purchasing the gift card that way, emailing it or printing it out on your computer, uh, you know, ways to protect yourself. Yeah, the electronic purchase is is best as well as, well as it, you are aware that you are going to the direct legitimate retailer to buy it. And you mentioned ATMs as well as oh, yeah. a vulnerable point. Yeah, skimmers can be put on ATMs and also uh, the point of sale terminals in the retail stores. Uh, so on ATMs, same kind of thing. You're going to look for that device. That's the overlay on the exterior. Uh, you want to do that shake and rattle, I call it. You know, grab it, give it a twist. If it's loose, report that to the banking industry right there. Uh, the other thing they can do, they do an overlay keyboard. So where you're going to punch in your PIN number might be recording your PIN they have a hidden pinhole camera to record the entire transaction, which they line up with date and time so they can apply your PIN number to the proper account number once they copy your card. Wow. So <laughs> this is enough to make people paranoid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we're at a time of year where where people are, at the very least, they're just uh, worried about uh, their, their packages being stolen off of their um, their their front doorstep, but but now we're going so much further where it's information, and now they have access to so much more. Yeah, and porch pirates are another problem, especially at the holidays. That ramps up, and, and it can be something as simple as you know the box gets dropped off, and here the scammer is following the delivery trucks through the neighborhoods. The minute the box is dropped and the truck pulls away, somebody runs up and grabs it. Now people say, "Well, I have the doorbell camera." Well, that's wonderful. That's going to record the transaction of the theft, but it's not going to stop the theft. You know, it, and it's a deterrent for some, but not for all. Some scammers are bold enough. They don't care about your camera. They do, see do the they box. they disguise themselves or? They can. And, and now it's very simple with a lot of people still engaging in the medical mask due to COVID, uh, which is fine because, you know, some people that's a necessity for them. But when a scammer uses it, he blends in today. Where years ago, you'd be like, why is this guy wearing a mask? It would draw a lot of attention. It doesn't today. Right. And that's another easy way. And then with cold weather, you have ski masks, which are common to be worn, and gloves. So there's no fingerprints. You know, There's no identifying uh, marks. Uh, the person takes the box and, and makes away with it. So we want to be sure that if we are having packages and parcels delivered, that we are home at the time of delivery, or you can modify the delivery address. You can ship it to a friend, relative, or neighbor that you trust that's going to receive your package. Or some businesses offer lockers where they actually have a storage area for Amazon, eBay, and other packaging. I know there's one uh, national pharmacy that accepts UPS deliveries for their customers. And I even have a police department down out in southeastern PA that has moved to a point where they are receiving packages for residents of their town 
and securing them at the police headquarters. And you can come in to show your ID and pick up your package. It's amazing. It's come to that. And if people are willing to rip off banks, uh, impersonate the FBI, you, it's just a matter of time before they're bold enough to try to rip off the police station. But all very, <laughs> very helpful information by Dave Shalcross from the Office of Attorney General. Thank you, Dave, for being here today. My pleasure, Patrick. On, on behalf of the Office of Attorney General, we thank you for the opportunity to educate your listeners. Absolutely. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. Join me then, and in the meantime, maybe check out keystoneelderlaw.com. Get educated on a different set of threats and how to plan for the future with estate planning. You can use the Workshops tab and take in a free online seminar from your home. We'll see you next week on the Later in Life Planning Show right here on News Radio WHP 580.